Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Change on the Run podcast, where we discuss common change challenges and ways to address them when you're short of time. And I'm your host, Phil Buckley. Today's topic is impressing leaders. One of the benefits of working on a major change initiative is exposure to cross-functional leaders. You get the opportunity to learn from their experience and skills as they solve complex challenges during uncertainty. You also have the opportunity to demonstrate your knowledge and skills as you contribute to the future of the organization. So how do you impress leaders with your capabilities in a dynamic and often chaotic environment? My guest today is Rob Napoli. Rob, welcome to the show. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. Talking all things change today. It's going to be fun. Thanks so much for being here. And Rob is a global entrepreneur and innovation coach, corporate trainer, and speaker with over 10 years experience enabling entrepreneurs, founders, and executives to perform at their best. He is the founder and CEO of Rise Up Coaching and a board member and advisor to numerous startups. Rob holds a master's degree, international multi-channels marketing management from MIP Politecnico di Milano and bachelor's degree in marketing and sports administration from Simpson College. Rob, this is a fascinating topic because it's so rarely discussed. What's been your experience with impressing leaders during change? I think about impressing leaders just in general from every level of the organization to impress it's putting in the work and doing something impressive. It's like, what does that mean? The future of work has changed. And we look at the landscape of living in a hyper-connected world that to impress leaders, you really need to be focused on impact and not just being impressive. Like, hey, doing these things like what is your impact on a daily basis? What are you doing or what skills do you bring in that no one else can or does have? or maybe not execute at the way you can. And so to be impressive, and then especially during times of change, how do you make yourself and put yourself in a position to do things above and beyond? And so when you go into a job, you have your scope. I always love to think of like jobs in like a third, like a third of your time is focused on the core thing that you do. A third of the time is focused on like the bigger part of the organization, a team like things that you can help out with. And a third of your time is meant for like you to go outside your sphere of influence and scope and learn something new and have that passion. The two thirds of your work is really focused on your job description and like what's best for the team and one third for you to stand out. And this is how you impress leaders is that one third of your time that you go and go above and beyond to build cross-functional relationships, be a part of cross-functional initiatives to take on something that no one else wants to do or step up above the call. That's how you impress leaders every day, but also when companies are going through something, whether that's hyper growth or a pivot or a pandemic, we saw the true metal of, of a person. And it really helped us learn about who we are as people at each, we all look internally and from an organization standpoint, it gave us a chance to really look at, okay, who on our team is doing X, Y, and Z? Who has very necessary skills that we can't lose? And who are accessory skills? Who's taking themselves on? And then the flip side is how many of us upskilled during the pandemic? How many people actually took the time to learn a new skill, launch something new, do something different? You know, we're recording this in August of 2021, and we're starting to open back up and a lot of things are changing again. The future of work's changed. And 
with millennials stepping up in the leadership roles and Gen Z, scary enough, entering the market as value-added employees and starting businesses. The way that leadership happens at organizations fundamentally is changing. You have a hyper-connected digital first mentality who can go Google and find anything. How do you handle that? And how does that actually upskills the leaders? And how do the leaders at the top say, how do we stay up to date with an upskilling so that we can be, I think leadership is, you know, you lead from the front, right? How do we come back down and work with leaders? But so that's how you press leaders is, is coming in and, and doing those things. I love the one third where you'd go above and beyond, and especially during the pandemic. And, and again, that, that orientation of who upskilled or who was really focusing on survival. And could you share an example of how someone could upskill someone that you've seen, whether you're coaching or just heard about that said, Hey, I'm going to invest in me and build my skills. I love this because, you know, one of the things that I actually coach on, I have a book on is personal brand and building a personal brand. And when you build your personal brand and invest in yourself, that is impressive. I have two stories of people who have skilled that I thought was amazing, but I, I always laugh at, because you mentioned this about investing in ourselves and whether that's getting a coach, doing these things, we all kind of sit back like, oh, we want to upscale. We want to invest in ourselves. But then we like look at a cost of something, right? Cost of a course or this or that. It's like, oh, do I really want to spend my money on that? And my question is, what is the negative net effect of being in the same place you are a year from now? If you're not taking time, energy, and effort, and that's money to invest in, whether it's a coach, a course, a new skill, and you're in the same place, how do you think you're going to impress leaders? Pressing leaders is not doing the same thing repetitively day in and day out. It's upscale of growth. And so I always like to bring that to the forefront as, as a piece of it. And I had two people in my network, one who actually worked for a former employer of mine, and she's amazing. She's one of the best recruiters I've ever met. And she always had a passion for marketing and all these things. And during the pandemic, she went and learned how to build a new website and do a bunch of marketing things. And she, for her organization, built and launched a new, a new website rebranded the whole company, created a ton of collateral that has helped them really come out of this with a fresh look and feel that continued to drive the company forward. And she's got it promoted. I mean, that business is killing it. She's killing it. And it's like, she took that all on herself to just go do it because she always wanted to and she had the time to. And the negative and net effect is so positive on the brand of business. And so she's a millennial. Flip side, I had a, a company that I work with, CEO. It's a fast rising fintech company. He brought me in to help him with a few things. And, and one of them was like, Rob, I need to be one, held accountable and two, really focus on me and my personal brand. I need to be able to connect with more of our prospects, but I need to connect with more of my team. I need to get out there and show why you want to come work with me. I really want to be able to attract younger talent. He's like, look, look at my team and we just have a lot of amazing people. But as we grow this to the moon, like we need to bring in some really great Gen Z millennial talent that wants to help a fintech startup go to the moon. And how do I attract that? Well, I was like, well, one, these are things that you need to do from like recruitment marketing, but two, your personal brand, you as the CEO, as the face of the company, and your leaders need to go out and be talking, you engaging. You want to be impressive to leaders and leaders. If you want to be impressive to your teams, you got to meet at the middle and connect and stop just like, oh, I was there. I did this from a leadership standpoint. Cause I also do a lot of corporate training for larger organizations to bring in kind of millennial mindset. It's like, well, I've been there. I've done that. I'm like, you're an expert. Cool. What does an expert even mean? Zig Ziglar says, what is an expert? An X, a form or something, spurt, water spout. You're literally just like a former somebody who just talks about it all the time. You're not looking forward. And in today's day and age, if you're not moving and changing fast, like this whole change on the run, 
you're not keeping up with the, how fast change is happening now, they're going to get passed up because the speed at which technology is happening goes so fast and the speed at which learning happens. These digital first natives are impressive. Somebody I coached from time to time, he's 22. He actually had him on my podcast too. He started a company in high school or an initiative in high school because he was just frustrated by the problem. Then he started selling his own e-commerce store in high school. Then he went to college and launched another company because he was like, why are we not having more opportunities for transportation? I don't want to have to walk four miles to class. And all his life from when he was 14 to 23, he's launched three different businesses. Like this kid's impressive. Like you know, I was thinking about playing video games and sports. I wasn't thinking about, oh, let me launch a business today. I just think that we, if you're not investing in yourself to grow at the rate at which change really happens nowadays, as a leader and connecting down, you're missing out. And then anyone that's entering a job or out there right now, you need to be thinking about investing in yourself to be impressive and upscale on a regular basis. Let's say someone is more in the corporate environment or, or mid-sized organization. They mm-hmm. end up on a project with a, a bunch of other people. What type of mindset would you recommend so that you are trying to improve yourself versus just getting by or you know getting all the tasks done and all those things that happen yeah. in just a hyper speed? How do you go into that one third that you talked of originally? That's an amazing question. Part of it is that there are times when you probably aren't going to be able to hit that. But the way that you think about it is if you're super impacted, say you're in a big transformation project, like you're talking about, it's like, we're under the gun, we've got huge deadlines, and we got to go. How do we do this? You know, how do I take that third to be creative? It's like, well, at that time, that's the third that you turn off, right? The, the, the first two thirds is where you need to focus your time. But in the way that you're going about this process, maybe this is your third transformation. So for you, you know, you've been there, you've done that before. What can you learn? Because even though you got to get all these tasks done, you're going to be working with other cross-functional and business partners that can teach you something. And so if you just open your ears and you keep your mind open to listening and the ideation throughout the process that you already know how to do, that's that one third still comes in. It's not an active one third. It's a passive one third. But you should always be improving yourself in the way that you handle relationships and interacting within the departments and and the business challenges of a transformation project like that. There's certain times where the other two thirds, you just have to focus on that. It's the reality of your environment. Your experience is fascinating in the sense that you deal with a lot of startups and you deal with a lot of larger corporate organizations too. Are there differences or inflections in impressing leaders within the different formats of business? You know, the easy answer to be able to say it's just the same. And you'd like to think that that's the case with people being people. And being impressive is all about what what makes you stand out. Like, how are you upskilling? But there is a big difference, right? Because if you're looking at bigger organizations, it's slower to move. There's a lot more competition. There's set processes. Because the hierarchical standpoint, like, you don't get promoted as fast, right? So the way that you impress leaders is much, it's usually a little bit longer and a little bit different cadence. And what we normally see right or wrong or indifferent is that uh, larger organizations tend to promote based on like tenure or length and skill versus like who's the best fit. Sometimes the best players are not always the best coaches. And sometimes the best coaches were never the best players. And that's okay. Years of experience does not equal experience gained. And there's many times it happens. So, and it's changing in large organizations, like that tends to change at a slower pace in like how they promote. We're like impressing in a startup because the nature of the startup is in small organizations is so much wearing different hats, you actually have a much bigger opportunity to impress because you're putting on different hats, you're taking on different things. So you have a lot of chance to impress. But the problem with that is that 
you tend to go wide and not deep. And so when you think about startup versus corporations, larger businesses to impress leaders, you need to really go deep in one thing. And that's where you stand out versus in startups, sometimes it's going wide, which is both a good and bad thing. So that's where you see a, a difference of inflection point sometimes with the different ways that you impress and like what that means by it. Something that you mentioned right at the beginning that I'd like to go back to, which I thought was was excellent about what type of skills do you build? And what I took from it was, how do you remain relevant in a hyper-changing environment? How do you stay current with being relevant in what you have to offer and the value that you provide to your organization and those leaders? How do you stay relevant? Consume content. First and foremost, if you're not, especially at a large organization, I tell you, hey, if your team isn't, you don't have a lot of young people on your team, you need to go find people in that organization and see what they're doing, see what skills they got. I hired a kid, my, my, one of my businesses, Group, who was like, Rob, I want to just build like these Python scripts to run automation for some of the stuff that you're doing just for fun because I love doing this. And I was like, you know how to run Python scripts? Like, yeah, I know how to build in Java, Python, blah, 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 all these things. And I was like, oh man, you're amazing. I don't have those skills. And I hired these three kids from Columbia as interns and they came in and just changed the whole organization for the better and brought in so much amazing process because of what they've learned in school, going to school for engineering and technology world that I don't have. And so I don't need to go learn all that. You don't, to stay relevant doesn't mean you need to co-learn all of that, but you need to understand how to speak to that. You need to go on to, got to understand how to connect with folks that have skills that maybe you don't and how you can collaborate with them. The quickest answer is how do you stay relevant and always being invested in yourself? Consume content. It's more, it's easier than ever, like the podcast. Podcasts are a great way to consume content, like what we're doing here. Books, great way to consume content. YouTube videos. And what met with and I'm working with this amazing entrepreneur she's 22 and she's running a e-commerce 5k mrr business i was like how do you how do you learn all this stuff she's like, i stay up at night and watch youtube videos and teach myself how to do marketing and product and sales my, i then take that and apply it to my business they're so impressive like <laughs> she's consuming content on a regular basis to fill the gaps because she wants to be an entrepreneur and build this business she just started six months ago and she's doing 5k mrr for an e-commerce business like you know it's not a lot of money but for her and where she's at, that's so impressive. And it's because she's self-teaching her things because the, to go be impressive and to always grow, there's so much content out there free to pay that you can consume. You're only not doing it because you're consciously choosing not to. This is so fascinating. And within the corporate world, typically I find as you progress in an organization, you are almost a collection of your past successes. And, and the belief is as you take on more senior roles, you can use that experience to manage broader mandates in the organization. But part of the assumption is I think what you call out which is the repeating of the past. And, and the challenge is when you're in that environment and that's the way that the culture works, it encourages yeah. you to repeat the past versus staying up late, looking at what's coming to be. How do you break the appeal of repeating your past successes when you know the future is into new skills? That's an amazing question because when you have these repeatable skills that you're known for and used for, those are things that are going to always take you forward. Those skills that you do really well, you know, your past leading large-scale transformation. But what makes it relevant on each stage is how does that application continue to evolve and get better? And taking, taking what you do really well, you do repeatable and saying, okay, how do I have a higher clip of this being adopted? Right, because we only retain about thirty percent of what we learn. It's 
less about, oh, I need to keep learning new skills to be relevant, but it's how do I take the skills that I do really well, what makes me the leader I am because of all these past collection of things, and how does that continue to stay relevant? How do I continue to stay relevant with what I know? And this is why I think when I look with experts and I make that joke about it, what some of these experts do really well is they, what allows them to scale is that they're always saying, okay, what have I done and how is that relevant today and what can somebody learn from it? Or what have I done and how do I take it to make it more effective tomorrow? It's not always like learning a new skill, but it's how does that, whatever it is that you've done become, how do you keep it relevant for today? And where does that go? Where is the future? Where are you going with this? What is this skill going to take you in five years from now, two years from now, 10 years from now? You talked about personal branding, which is really hot right now too. And, and it's, it's not just what you do, but how you do it. Or how is personal branding relevant now, given the changes that are happening versus maybe five years ago? Does it yeah. have greater significance or not? I love this. Love this question. It has a much greater significance. And you know, I use the term personal branding. I still use it, but I really am a big fan of KOL, our key opinion leader. It just highlights that like what you're using is your opinion. Like, why do you need a personal brand? Let's use an example of a new kid coming out of college. You don't have a lot of skills. You went to school last four years to get a degree, come out into the working world, and you start applying for jobs. And it's like, oh, well, I have a 3.8 GPA, magna cum laude, 2,000 other marketing majors. Like, what? What makes that, what's going to send out on a resume, right? And I look at a resume, a couple of internships, a degree, cool. What am I going to do there? Well, if I was a recruiter and I worked for recruitment for 10 years, I'll go to your LinkedIn profile. Or LinkedIn, I'm going to go find you on social. What are you talking about? What do you care about? It's like, oh, no LinkedIn, no connections, nothing. Okay, but if I find one student who throughout his or her time through college, they're connecting with guest professors, they're growing a personal professional brand, they're posting on LinkedIn, they're posting on Twitter about things not just, hey, I went to the bar and having fun, but like, hey, these are things I'm learning. Here's the skills I'm picking up and, and engaging in, in activity. That's going to stand out because it shows me that they've spent time, energy, and effort to go engage. And personal branding is not so much about, hey, look at me I'm st- and I'm standing out. It's, hey, in fact, I'm a big fan of social engagement. You know, don't, you know, not everyone needs to be a personal brand thought leader and talking, but you need to be engaging in conversations in the places and spaces that you want to grow in because that's where you stand out and if i see somebody doing that i'm definitely going to interview them over the other 100 resumes that are the same with the same skills let's look at that from a senior position big change transformation happens and team gets downsized or maybe you just decide that it's time to move on and you go out to the working world and you're looking at say vp level role but guess what who else is going to apply People who probably worked at all these other big organizations and it's like, okay, what really makes you stand out? Where is it that you're going to come in and be a force multiplier? And so if you're out there engaging and you're, you're talking and listening, your force multiplier might be in the way you handle cross-functional teams and development, the way you handle a transformation project, the way you hire, the way you upskill team members, the way you do training and development. I do training at the corporate level and a lot of folks in the corporate space do not want to change. What I'm taking away, Rob, is you're talking about the how, it's not the what. When you get to that VP level or whatever, everyone's pretty well doing the what the same, as long as you've been successful, but it's the how you do it. Cross-functional teams, engaging early career talent to be their best. How do you set yourself up for success as that person going into it saying, I'm going to create a narrative of the things I'm going to focus on in my one third of what I'm going to do 
so that at the end, I can demonstrate that how I'm doing it is relevant to the future of work. And any recommendations for people listening? I love this. A few recommendations. This is what I tell everybody. And actually, it's it's in my book on like my method of, look, we don't need more thought leaders out there. We don't need more people. There's enough people out there, like LinkedIn influencers and social media influencers out there screaming from the rooftops, but not everyone's going to do that. Not everyone needs to. The difference is how do you create a value-added network for yourself that is going to be there to support and lean on with intentionality and authenticity? And when you do that, that's how you really step up and start crafting this narrative. One of my things that everyone should be doing, LinkedIn is so powerful in, in this business environment. Again, not everyone's on LinkedIn, but most of the people listening to this podcast in their industry, their industry and prospects are on LinkedIn and their teams, et cetera, are all on LinkedIn. So I'm using LinkedIn as an example. Engage with five posts a day. Not like, engage, commenting. Say you're a mid-level employee, you're looking to get into that leadership spot and you want, you really want that promotion to be a team lead. Start interacting with your boss's boss's content whenever they post something, go interact share content, talk about why the things you're doing, talk about your journey uh, in the middle of your career. And it's not like, hey, you know, live a living diary. You just go engage with five posts a day. If you're, if you're in sales or entrepreneurship, five prospects. Go connect with them. Go engage with their content. So if Rob comments, and maybe you don't know Rob. Okay, so Phil, maybe you and I are in this large organization together. You're the senior VP. I'm that mid-level, mid-career and I wanted to show you that I can be a leader. And I want to get promoted to that team lead spot that's going to be opening up next year. I'm going to go and connect with you on LinkedIn. I'm going to start engaging with your content. Why is Rob connected with me? Well, he likes my content or he thinks that I can grow from his content. When you're engaging with prospects, with clients, with coworkers, or as a senior person like Elon Musk, connecting with the larger world, you're creating brand equity. You're creating a value at a network. And when you choose to do that for five posts a day with intentionality and authenticity, you are moving the needle forward to what you want out of your career next. Just to kind of come up to the 30,000 foot level too, that you're focused on the future, not on the past. So that whole expert thing, but also you're focusing on the future, not on the present. When you look at a lot of LinkedIn profiles, it's just, hey, this is what I've done and this is what I'm doing now. But I, I love your aspiration of here's where I'm going. And, and I think that part of impressing leaders is standing out from everyone else. And when I again, what I'm taking from what you're saying is it's standing out by being part of the future versus just being part of past accolades or what you yeah. did lately. That 30,000 foot view, I think it's still important to stay in the present, stay in the moment. It's still important to share those past accolades because you need to lay your bricks. And the past is those bricks of foundation that you need to lay. You can't build a house and have like the beautiful windows and everything until you have a strong foundation. And so the way you look at this, whether you're today or you've been doing this for 30 years, that Everything that I've done in my past is laying a foundation for the next thing. And so you don't want to forget those things. You want to show those things off. You have this mindset, this curious. So I have these five, I call them my value system, but it's, it's, it's one, be curious always. Because when you're curious, you learn <laughs> and you build. And when you build, you build with intention. Because so you build with intention, it puts you in the right places. And when you build with intention, you need to be authentic. Because when you're authentic with the way you're building and learning and engaging, you create the things that you, you, that you need. And then you need to have a good attitude and give great effort. The two things you control in life, attitude and effort. So it's be curious, intentionality, authenticity, attitude, effort. And so when you stack those bricks, we have our foundation, we're curious, we're learning new things, we're talking about it, 
we're giving gratitude and effort. We're just always continuing to just build another layer up of who we are. And then from a standpoint of like, what does that mean from the outside looking in? If you're looking for a job, if you're looking for a promotion, if you're just looking to be, maybe you want to do more podcast interviews. There's some really impressive people that should be speaking on podcasts and on stages and stuff that aren't getting opportunities because they don't put themselves out there. So people don't know. And like, why am I not getting sick? Well, no one knows what you can do. Like you're not showcasing, you're not talking about, you're not highlighting it. And so for people looking up from outside of it, it just gives them a chance to validate. So if, now we always go back to hiring with, I was going to hire you for your services. And I go to your, go to your LinkedIn and see that you're active and doing these things. I'm like, okay, cool. What Phil said that he could do, he's showing it. His content creates credibility. So it allows others to validate the credibility of your, your resume. Are there any watchouts when you're trying to impress leaders and sort of build your brand? And it's, again, that scenario of going through hyper change. Are there some things you'd, you'd suggest to avoid because they could just either backfire or it's just yeah. not contributing to the, the bricks yeah. that you're laying? Yeah, two things. There is a fine line between daring and highlighting and boasting. You cannot have an ego. Don't try to play that you're bigger than you are. Also, don't lie, right? Like, just be a decent human when you do this. But the things you have to watch out for leaders that you see happen a lot is don't oversell. Don't oversell yourself. And it's that old school mentality of like work in silence that no longer works anymore. But you need to share those highlights, but you need to show it, like walk that walk. And then the other big thing that tends to happen, you see a lot is people will, when they want to impress leaders, they'll, they'll suck up to them, try to impress them by just being their friend. And I've made this mistake way too many times in my life to like be friends with people like, that I think would either buy from me or like promote me. And I'll backfire real, real quick because that doesn't happen. Sometimes they won't be like, oh, I'm friends with Rob. Like he won't be offended if I go with somebody else. It's so, like, don't try to like be your, the friend to get the promotion because you're putting a bad position for everyone. Like understand the relationships that you have and then keep those. The bonus one that I laugh at is that titles don't mean anything anymore. I had a friend who she posted a really cool piece on LinkedIn about her finally owning her title as an entrepreneur. She's never thought of herself as an entrepreneur or a leader for a long time, even though she is. There is something to owning the title, but you see people who are trying to jockey for position who will fake their titles to make them look bigger than they are especially as it relates to getting your next job. And it just, you're trying to press a leader and then you go in and you just fall on, fall on flat on your face. Just again, come back to being authentic, being real, real authentic and transparent in the way that you present, connect and do things with, with the leaders. That's what I think is the watch outs that usually backfire for a lot of folks. It's so interesting and such great advice. And, and what I love about it is, is it's advice for wherever you are in your career or whatever stage you're at. It's just a foundation of success. And in the spirit of change on the run, if you only had time to do one thing to make an impression on leaders and you just wanted to get 80% of the results and 20% of the time, what would you do? Engage. Engage in conversation. Five posts a day. Probably as anyone out there listening, if you do that, if you engage, intentionally engage, five posts a day, start seeing what happens to your network and the conversations that you start getting into. Because those conversations, will, you'll learn so much from that you'll be able to like, turn that around and impress leaders because you're, you're really engaging and learning from the space that you play in. And then you can take that back and turn it around. And the step before that is go create the network you want to be. If you're a mid-level person at a large organization and you want to be a manager, a leader, you need to be go connecting with everyone else in the organization at that level. I'd be connecting with other companies and looking at what people at the level you want to be are doing and like the content they're sharing and talking about. I'd be connecting with 
clients of the brand so that you can really learn and connect with them because then you start engaging with them and that's where learning happens. Do not live in your eco chamber of just having all your company connections, like go out and connect and engage. You do that five a day, I promise you, you'll learn so much and the, the authenticity of those conversations and connections is where you'll really spark a lot of learning and change. Great advice. Thank you. And, and I love the five. If you want the results, you have to do what's required. So thank you. And, and any last thought or a watch out or anything from our conversation to share with our listeners? Yeah. One thing to think about is if you don't know where to look, like LinkedIn, you can search for hashtags and then engage in conversations and hashtag and connect with people. So there's another quick tip. But a final thought when you're doing this in whatever stage of life, you're looking at this, like, look, I know there's people out there like, wrap this good in theory, not going to do it, don't need to do it. I'm comfortable. Cool. If you're comfortable, you're not who I'm talking to right now is you need to be curious. You need to go connect and be authentically you stop trying to be, you think others want you to be and go be you because you are impressive. You as a person, every person on this earth has a journey. Every person's journey is impressive because it is theirs. It's unique to them. And so everyone out there listening has that opportunity to be uniquely you create your brand. You do these things, do that. When I started changing my mindset from being the recruiter and networker, had this big network, but it was really more taking the other things that are posting like jobs and events and speaking engagements. And when I started actually connecting and engaging, it was amazing. Go be you, be uniquely impressively you. Don't do things just to do it and don't be the person you think people want you to be. Just be you and go out there and engage with the world and watch what happens and comes back with intentionality. And it's so true how often we try to be what we think others want us to be versus being ourselves. And, and that's probably the, the best skill. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rob, for being on the Change on the Run podcast. I really appreciate yeah. your perspectives and tons of, of advice. How can people get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Rob Napoli, Instagram, Rise Up Rob Nap, TikTok, Rise Up Rob Nap, Twitter, Robbie Nap. I have a Beacons page. So beacons.page backslash Rob Napoli. And that has the link to my podcast that has links to all of my socials has my contact info in there. So you can follow me on the platform of your choice. If anyone out there is listening and it's like, Hey, Rob, I want to, I have a question. You want to connect? Let me know you heard, heard me on Phil's change on the run podcast and reach out on any platform as email text. My phone numbers on my LinkedIn. So you can find it if you know how to search. So it's there. And I'll make sure to give you that uh, beacons link so that you can drop it into the show notes so they can just click and pull it out. And yeah, I'd love to have a conversation with anybody who has questions or wants to chat more. And then I mentioned this a couple of times, we're talking a lot about personal brand and impressing leaders that I have a book coming out in the end of October called The Social Soul, How to Master Your Personal and Professional Brand with Intentionality and Authenticity. So a lot of things we've talked about here are actually lessons in the book. And it's all about my journey to creating that value-added global network and how to leverage that for success and how to be authentically you online, which seems really scary because when social media popped, we had all these influencers and we thought we had to live these fake lives. And I just want more people to realize they're impressive and to bring it back to being authentic and creating the value of the network that you want to have in life versus having 3,000, 5,000, 10,000 followers. I'd rather have 1,000 followers with high engagement and making impact than having 5,000 followers and getting very little engagement and people are following me, but they're not engaging and not having any real impact. Very timely. You definitely have got my pre-order too. Thanks very much for sharing. Thanks again, Rob, for being on the podcast. This has been an incredible conversation. Thank you. 
Absolutely. And just for your listeners out there, if you've been following Phil for a while and listening to him interview great people, check out my podcast. Phil is going to be on it. His episode will be dropping later this year. It was a great episode to hear Phil's perspective of entrepreneurship and how he's built some of the things he's built. So if you want to hear Phil get interviewed on a podcast, come check out his episode on the bare necessities of entrepreneurship dropping in uh, later this year. Awesome. Thanks so much, Rob. And thanks everyone for listening. And if you're interested in learning more about the podcast topics, check out Change on the Run, the book or audiobook at changeontherun.com or your favorite bookseller. And until the next time, I wish you all the best as you continue to lead change. <laughs>